Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. get like something really strange in the mail not as often as i'd like <laughs> so i i was doing um i was rehearsing for one of my presentations i have to give for school and i i leave to go get like water like outside of my mm-hmm. studio mm-hmm. and my dad comes up to me and he's like hey do you know what this is and like shows me this like letter and i'm like uh i don't know what is it and he's like, so it's like addressed to you. And this like came in the mail, I guess. And, you know, we opened it just out of curiosity. And there's like a hair. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, OK. So I, oh, I take the letter and I look at it. and I'm looking in and it's just human hair cut in, into this um, into this envelope. And my parents we're like, do you know who sent this to you? Did someone send you Locks of Love by mistake? <laughs> so I I had a mini like heart attack for a second of being like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? And like part of my brain was like, I probably know someone in my life who would do this as like a threat or like as a weird gesture. I mean, like, I'm thinking of someone right now that yeah. <laughs> might like, do something like that. Try to put like a voodoo curse on you. Yeah, him. and then I forgot back to one of my group chats that I'm in that there was like a a thing that was happening that my friends were sending uh mail with hair in it to each other. And I completely did I didn't what? think I was involved in this. I don't what? know, man. It's chaos. There, you know, I don't, I don't understand, but I forgot about it, and so I remembered, like, oh, it's. I was like, oh no, it's probably, it's like one of my friends. Don't, because chaos. So, because my parents, you know, so my parents were like, oh my god, like I thought this was like a threat, like we'd have to call the police, like we were getting ready, and I was like, why would it be a threat? It's hair. Like what? What? I mean, it's weird, but I don't know what we. I mean, that's like. I mean, I feel like that's that's almost like supposed to say like we have someone we're holding hostage. Yeah, but you're supposed to know the thing is. I am so forgetful about everything, you know? Right. <laughs> I was accepted to... I, I Sometimes I get accepted to things I forget I apply for. But also, <laughs> like, people reach out to me and say hi, and I, like, I don't remember their names, mm. or I don't remember why we said we should hang out. Right, right. That's fair yeah. enough. Uh, you, would, you would be very confused then in this situation. If it weren't for Zoom, I would not know any of my classmates' names. Oh, oh yeah, because you have the... I guess we don't have to be afraid of that anymore, because now there's like a name tag on everybody. That's kind of wild. Yeah. So then it's like there's really no excuse at the end of mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. I mean... It is more interesting, though, because you can pick out who is listening, I think, a little uh, bit more, and who yeah. is cheating off of that because of pronunciation sometimes. Mm, like, that's someone that might go by David versus David, you know? Right, right, yeah. Yeah. 
and then it, and then someone says David, and you're like, you're not paying attention. Yeah, you didn't you didn't listen to when that was corrected. <laughs> well, see, like I'm I'm just lazy. Like I haven't corrected my name on Zoom, um, at all because of like I use my my school's account because I'm you know I get mm-hmm. it you know because if you have a school account you essentially get like the unlimited hours or whatever I don't know how yeah it yeah so on my official like account it's Joseph and I really? don't yeah is, is that is that the name that was on your application Joseph uh for what for school yeah probably actually oh, I don't okay. know no I don't think so because I don't like uh, my official name is Joseph, right? Joseph Samino, yeah. but I don't go by that because I'm not the carpenter father of Jesus. So that is not my <laughs> name. I'm Joe. And I You might might we might we should you know, I mean in, in applying to uh school in Italy. I mean, uh-huh. we could have had more fun with that cuz at least yeah. you and I do have we have names that are somewhat that somewhat have uh right. analogous versions in italian you that know? is it's not true like, yeah it's not like yeah it's it's not like a name that doesn't really have a an a, a latin or greek equivalent right exactly i mean you could have been like alessandro or sandro alessandro or and you could have been giuseppe exactly so that would have yes. maybe that would have worked next but time. instead That's you're just a regular old trader joe just a regular old cup of joe trader joe uh that is you're a traitor joe oh man there it you is. betrayed betrayed it it's yes. the truth yeah yes uh but okay so you got sent hair in the mail i did um yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have to revisit that at some point i think <laughs> probably I'm, trying, I'm still not over i don't it. even know what i've ever gotten in the mail that was even mildly that <laughs> com- compared to that it is like, ar- it is arguably the weirdest thing i've ever received i'm gonna be honest and i've received some strange like letters in mail before from just friends but you know because that's what you do if you want to send like jokes during like quarantine you just ship off a letter of like either well, yeah or, you I just, know human I just hair. send i just send memes you know well they I... don't cost postage i guess <laughs> god uh not yet at least not oh god um, did you imagine mm-hmm, oh, the meme tax wasn't that a thing wasn't that like a the, that's like the fear like i feel like that's the y2k of the century is the meme tax maybe i'm blowing that out of proportion <laughs> a little bit but i'm gonna stick by it yeah um i mean well we did fairly recently grapple with i think a and and maybe still will continue to i think try to understand what exactly government censorship should and is capable Mm, of doing yeah you know we we watched a sitting president throw a temper tantrum about a video sharing app mostly occupied by you know teenagers yeah that never yeah. i'm uh, that was such a fun threat it wasn't mm-hmm. fun i'm i'm 100% being sarcastic but like <laughs> i have to make that also clear cuz i feel like it's like even to make jokes sometimes is a bit yikes but it's just like yeah, yeah. that's something we're going to have to deal with that's a future problem yeah. i guess is one way to look at it but as in future like now mm. but yeah yes yes i yeah i guess i 
I, I do I do wonder in, in this pre-famous era of ours where I guess the hope is that one day we are famous tour guides, I guess. Is, yeah. Is that, the, is that the end goal of this? I think so. That would probably be the best character arc for us. So, you okay. know, if the story, if yes. the future monks want to write what, our what story. have we already said that we will, that will inevitably be brought up from our past and we will get canceled for? Oh, I mean, God. do you want it to be something good? Or like like something that was like a real zinger of a joke or something that was just, you know, just didn't land, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I feel like I, it doesn't even like even if that were to happen, I'd be like already apologetic and trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, yeah. I, you know, but I think that's also like I try to be as aware as possible. And like we yeah. always say to tweet at us or do anything if we say anything questionable or if we need to be corrected because we're all about well yes and i think to start off i would like to personally apologize to author mm. uh, dean Koontz. oh right. yeah that is an order true um <laughs> upon realizing that uh two exhibits ago i uh i attacked author <laughs> dean Koontz, forgetting <laughs> that i was talking about <laughs> artist uh jeff coons <laughs> Oh man, yeah, yeah. That's not. I feel like that's a bit misplaced. I don't even know how I missed that though. Too. I'm also partially to blame for this, so I'm gonna apologize as well because I just accepted that as like, yeah, he's got beef with Dean Koontz. That sounds right. Because I imagine the Jeff. Koontz, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't have any beef with Dean Koontz other than when I had to work at the used bookstore and when right. I got so many, so many fucking books. copies of his books and I had to shelve them. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah, that is just kind of the way. I don't the world. think. I I feel bad for Dean Koontz. I don't get the impression that anyone rereads his books. No, no. You know, if... you read you read them once. Right. They. Here's what I assume the life cycle of a Dean Koontz book is. This, uh -huh. along with. Uh, and I'll say there are some of those authors that are in kind of that thriller, not quite sci-fi action book, crime right. book that like I have read and do enjoy. So I can't I, I can't speak for Patterson uh, and Kuntz and uh, I don't know, Daniel Steele. But like what I assume happens is. Someone buys that book at the airport. Mm -hmm. They might read it. Right. It sits in someone's vacation beach rental for <laughs> five years. <laughs> then the L. Then uh, uh. It, then either the owner of those books dies and it ends up at the used bookstore, or someone just uh decides to snag it for themselves, uh, and then it just slightly extends the process of those books ending up at the used bookstore but they do eventually end there mm -hmm. it's sort of an interesting inevitability um much like life yeah there's something there's something there's like an artwork in there somewhere to be pulled yeah out. i don't know something to think i about. mean what what do you think of like work that is accessible prolific but does not seem to leave much of an impression that like Stephen King's maybe a bit of an outlier. Yeah. But there are certainly these artists and authors that put out a lot of stuff and they have a style maybe, but uh, it does not seem to yeah. leave an impression on people that much. 
Like, okay, here's here's my question, like, with that, right? Yeah. I was thinking about this recently. You know, there's a lot of fantasy teen novels out there. Like a, like a lot, though. Like, I'm going to need to see it, proof. But... Do you? I mean, fine, <laughs> I'll go get them from storage. But there's a, like... You know, I was thinking about that too because I'm like, I remember I think I still follow someone on my Facebook from like, I don't even know, middle school. It's like an author. I don't know why. Like, I feel like when I follow people, I have, I don't want to like, there's part of me that just wants to like keep that up because I'm like, well, what'll happen? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just curious, I guess, to see this development of her practice. And it's just gotten, it just feels very much like I'm watching somebody who, you know, is a part of that genre of books that's like it's not game of thrones but it's not lord of the rings it's like Uh, twilight but like if it was in the game of thrones universe but there wasn't as much death like i feel like it's that and it's like this weird i mean is that is that what omega verse is yeah kind of from what I've been told. I mean, but it feels like that. It feels very much like Omegaverse, but like, you know, they just changed around the names and stuff and, you know, people. Uh-huh. But it's like, I just don't understand like who's reading it, I guess, or why. Or like, there's something that's interesting to me in it as well, though. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that it is easily digestible, that people do want to read it. Because I think there's something interesting in that of like, okay, yeah. I... Like it's like it's like if I'm gonna watch a TV show that I want to be mindless about, like you know, you're just putting something yeah. on to watch it. But then at the end of the day, we I think it's also worth considering how that affects you. Is it not unlike how I think if you are not, if you are not a fan of punk music, right? I think everybody has one punk band mm-hmm. that they like and they know multiple songs from. I feel like that's a fair And then the rest kind of all just sounds the same. Yeah, that's probably fair. It feel it yeah. feels very much like that. I mean there's cuz there's like bound to be repeats or there's bound to be something similar to what you might like. Yeah. But it also feels very much like capitalizing on a specific niche like with fantasy, yeah. which is why I think fantasy got so stale so fast and also because mm. you know it's very uh cis and straight but whatever uh you know yeah some of those but other, i but... mean but you you but there there's a huge queer community that loves fantasy yeah and for sure you know it's it's that whole thing of like tolkien famously being an old kind of yeah, a product of his time but even for his time kind of an old backwards person you know yeah kind of a traditionalist Yet his work deeply resonated with hippies, you know? Oh, yeah. And me. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe more the movies. I'm more into the movies, to be honest. <laughs> but So Peter Jackson's my guy, I guess. I think it just depends, you know? Like, it's these certain things that have completely shifted a genre or shaped a genre, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think Lord of the Rings did. And then they just kind of, like, plateau for a little bit. Like, I feel like Game of Thrones became so popular because it was so out of its own context. Like, it was aware of what it was. Yeah. So it utilized that to its benefit. And then I feel like it shaped how fantasy genres came out now. Like, our fantasy books, not genres, uh, Mm. were, were coming out more recently, right? Whereas before Game of Thrones was as popular, 
maybe it was in a different direction. But I think that's also just, yeah. you know, trend setting in general. And I think well, you'll get that from a lot yeah, of Yeah, I, I think the thing for me, because I had, I was older when I saw Lord of the Rings. It was not my fantasy cup of tea growing up. I was definitely more in that Harry Potter world. Um, I think I tried reading uh, Dragons of Pern at one point. I, okay. I might have to give that another shot. Sure. one day um but that was definitely more my area and i remember watching lord of the rings in college and at that point i was already into game of thrones oh. in game of thrones i was very it wasn't the grittiness that i necessarily liked with game of thrones it was the fact that even the bad guys had some kind of motivation beyond just being evil. Yeah. And yeah. in Lord of the Rings, it was very, it seemed very simple to me. It was just, they were, they're evil because they were born evil and they're bad and they're, and they're, you know, there, there is some acknowledgement, at least in the movies, right? That like, uh -huh. you know, the, 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 the bad, the the humans and stuff are yeah. it's it's sort of uh just whatever your consequence is that you are on either side of a battle i think yes i think there is some acknowledgement of that there is some subtlety there there are some shades of gray uh with you yeah, know that people it's... are not wholly good or bad exactly but yeah it was just always so vague i was like so what do they want when they take over the world because uh, you know dude. with Voldemort, he's wizard Hitler. Yeah. Um, and he sees he, he he wants to take over the world, but we kind of know why and we know what his Right, right. You know, it's not uh it's not completely incomprehensible. We have things that we can graph that onto. Yeah. In Game of Thrones, you understand why tywin lannister does what he does uh and you know the 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 chaotically evil characters are often actually kind of dispatched easily by more cunning characters you know yeah yeah for sure which is always kind of interesting game of, game of thrones is is one of those things i was fascinated with because of its complex dialogue for one versus mm -hmm. just you know blunt action or boringness or that's not a word yeah or just I mean, boring well, when, when game of thrones started focusing more on the action that's wow, what some yeah. people point at that is that mm. falls apart but that's what we're <laughs> yeah. talking about right now is our uh is how fantasy fantasy genres uh, disappoint us is that is that what we're I talking guess. about today in the gossip lounge yeah i guess so i don't know how we <laughs> ended up from hair to this but that's just the nature of our conversations give but, me heads with hair Long, glorious hair. Did you ever see hair? No. Or a performance of it or anything? No. Hmm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to talk about that at one point. Oh, for sure. Uh, hippie, hippie musicals. <laughs> that That's a genre I never thought I'd hear of, but yeah, go for mm -hmm. it, I guess. I mean, that, that is a, a sub-genre of, of rock operas and stuff. Like, I guess, which, yeah. I, I, I don't know if Jesus Christ Superstar... That That's... That's in that genre. That's probably I think. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool name. Though. Hippie musicals. Wait. Uh. Let, let's put together a hippie. A hippie musical. 
festival right now we could do jesus christ superstar yeah tommy and you could do hair there you go triple threat yeah, there there you go right there like the yeah that, that, it's the, the trinity the, the, put, put, puts butts in the seat yeah yeah exactly Absolutely. and all of them kind of with religious undertones there you go this is it mm-hmm. huh um but what we're kind of here today to talk about in more of a relaxed setting is something that I actually wanted to talk about in the context of our uh, our exhibit on on art in the 20th century. This was something I really wanted to bring up, but <laughs> we were already running so long and, yeah. you know, we're, we're fairly new to this. So... Uh, we wanted to talk about the application of kitsch in yeah. uh, in art, you know, and what that has, what the consequences have been to the art market, especially in, I think, the mm -hmm. uh, latter half of the 20th century. Oh, yes. I, I, I think this is kind of an opportunity for us, rather than sort of just doing it in passing. Yeah. We can actually talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. To kind of start, I mean, if uh, if you, the, uh, the visitor, is unaware of kitsch art or what it is basically sort of think what what what's sort of your go-to explanation for it? Like, if you were going to point somebody to it, beyond just being like something that's commercial mm -hmm. shallow you know uh just the that might have some technical proficiency behind it but is is lacking in something <laughs> and shows it it just it rings hollow right. when you start to look at it too much um and we that, that can be fun yeah but it has to sort of almost originate from some kind of naivete. Like, yeah, that that's why I think like getting those OMG so random T-shirts is less uh, fun than getting something, you know, from a sporting goods store that is unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh yeah, I mean, what, like, I know, like, I guess the more stereotypical version of, like, something that would be, like, kitsch art would be, like, dogs playing cards, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Like, very, like, tacky. And it's like, oh, that's fun. And then you're like, ugh. Like, it's something you're... Elvis like, a is on velvet. Yeah, exactly. I want to propose mm. a possible kitsch candidate. Oh, okay. Minion wine mom memes whoa right think about it displacing two different things that do not belong together the minions and also strange quotes putting them in a post and then boom instant and then you can market that you can put it on a bumper sticker put it on a t-shirt you know i hate mondays and it's just that one minion who's like wow you know, he's got his yeah. face down and whatever. Yeah. There you go. Or like, oh, get me here, another glass. Yeah. And then it's but like, But here, here's the interesting thing with the minions, especially, and sort of the the use of them in that way. Um, the You try to figure out a lot of the times, are, are these things so ridiculous 
that they're being used ironically because I think I've talked a little bit before about how I have been, I have found myself laughing so hard (laughs) at things that I thought were making fun of Republicans and then I find out are just legitimately made by Republicans, not them not understanding how ridiculous they sound or how, or how cheesy and corny their, their, propaganda is like do do you know what i mean because like yeah yeah there's there's something hilarious about someone you know putting like existentialist quotes over (laughs) the minions yeah and like the irony is what's hilarious about that that juxtaposition the not taking your tell yourself too seriously but that's such a thin line removed Uh, because someone else can be looking at the minions and be getting that, that completely different reaction. Yeah. And so you have to wonder, are those things, are two different experiences, do they actually exist? Which is the real experience? Because mm, I think this yeah. is something that kitsch is fun to make fun of. Right. And however, like, have you ever met someone that was like, yeah, this must happen like you see someone that sees a painting of a cabin on a hillside and is like oh my god that's such a beautiful painting like is there is the meaning that they derive from that less real just because we're artistic assholes and we see them as less sophisticated like is there yeah. I, I don't mean to call us out no I think we should call us out why not it's about time <laughs> but like this is the thing i wonder about a lot because there's a lot of art and music that is very popular that i do not like but i wonder am i wrong because so many other people like this or is it just because it hits that lowest common denominator right or what is it like what because i i think people can have real meaningful experiences to them but it's it's almost like that idea that that type of art is movies, music, paintings, whatever. It's almost like it's for people who do not like art. Yeah, yeah. Because if you knew more about art and you saw more, which is getting into some elitist language right away. Yeah. Uh, if you knew more, you would know it's bad. If you saw more, it's like, it's why people talk about how movie critics hate movies that audiences love. Right. And it's like, you know what? Movie critics watch a lot come of, by that opinion. Watch a lot of <laughs> come movies. By that opinion. They watch way more movies than you exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's my take on it. And I don't know if this is going to make sense, but let's, let's try to work it out. Here's my okay. thing. Okay. You know, when you don't necessarily think about something deeper than mm-hmm. it is and you take it at the surface level or maybe you say, okay, well, I enjoy it. Like, let's let's use a good one, like Adam Sandler movies. Like, you know, but mm. like the crudest of the crude Adam Sandler movies. Right. They might be funny and entertaining if you don't watch a lot of comedies, you don't really like movies, like you just want to laugh at something dumb. I get it. I understand. Yeah. You know, my parents really like those type of movies. And I, have to, I often right. have to kind of explain. It's like, well... Okay, but let's look at this in two ways. Number one, you know, you're only going to be able to watch so many movies in your lifetime. 
is this really what you yes. want to do? And that's my elitist. This is going to be my elitist side coming out. And then we're going to go to the more like <laughs> understanding. So the elitist side, it's like, this is like, this just feels like a waste of time because there's so much more out there yeah. to learn from. What are we gaining from this? The second yeah. version and my more concerning one, what are the undertones coming out in this that then gets passed on to you? This is my problem with things that yeah. represent art in movies or represent time periods wrong or represent history wrong because it's it's boiled down so simply to feed it to a general audience that if you don't watch a lot of things or if you just don't know a lot about a subject and you're like, let me learn this from an Adam Sandler movie, you're not going to learn the right thing. And then you take that with you and then it's embedded yeah. in your mindset and unintentionally you then remember something that was given to you by a piece of media that did you wrong i and it's i mean this is also part of my interests in general but i think there's a lot of stuff out there that often is just i think it's kind of uh, made to the point it is now where a lot of these different like you know opinions and different ideas because of the media that is consumed so passively that it just gets kind of, right. you know, because you can make a movie about anything. Look at the 80s entirely with comedy. Yeah. I mean, there's so many instances of, like, sexual harassment. And that yeah, it, it's, that, it's that like, uncomfortably that unremarked, bad. unremarked upon. Yeah, you know? like, how does that shape senses of humor during the time and even into now? Where, like, you can look yeah. back and be like, oh, wasn't that so fun? And then you watch it again. It's like, rewatch Revenge of the Nerds. It, that is an awful movie oh, yeah. if you watch there, it like with a Well, brain. yeah, like my my dad trying to show me Animal House when oh, I was young. Oh god, yeah, and I watched that too. It was a mess. I didn't I didn't find it funny, I think, cuz I was too young when he showed yeah, it to me, same. but I'm sure if I watched it now, it would also just clang with so many other yeah, exactly. sensibilities that I have so, now. So I think it's it's part of that though. And I think like with paintings in general too, I think it's just this like passive attitude that's not necessarily a bad thing because i think you can genuinely like something for aesthetical purposes hey it's a pretty painting i like this and i think that that's mm. okay um yeah. you know but i think there's also room for improvement and i think it's it's, it's in general and again this is the latest language yeah. and then i'm gonna go back to understanding but i feel like that's the only way for me to wrap my head I, around this but i know? i think you you and i are people that could argue this either way because i think yeah. someone that Someone that came down too hard on the side of uh, only, you know, deep paintings or yeah, no. or someone that was like, no, all art should be fun and whimsical and whatever. Yeah, it seems I I, I would find myself arguing against both of those people. <laughs> I would as well. Yeah, it's too. Uh, or I mean, more. <laughs> More realistically, if this were me, silently fuming, but smiling. Oh yeah, uh huh. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. You know, well. because I, I'm, I, I try to avoid conflict most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think we. What is what is your encounter with mm. Kitsch in in where you grew up? Because oh, for God. me, Florida Kitsch is almost a a beast unto itself um yeah oh gosh i mean for me like i think to understand the context of new jersey it's a lot of landscape it's a lot of seascape okay so but that could be good like there's nothing wrong with that necessarily it's its own yeah. tradition from this time period and, and throughout history whatever but there's also like in my in my near my town like where i grew up there's a lot of like other ones that you would go to because they were more artsy because there's nothing really mm -hmm. to do around me um and they had like art galleries and stuff that were like quote-unquote famous and then it wasn't until like uh -huh. i went to school that i realized that they're not actually good um 
And and for me, for my taste, you know, maybe somebody wealthy likes them because they're outrageously expensive. And you start to see what they're selling in a lot. You know, like the one thing I really don't like and I see it a lot is landscape with RGB color. Like straight out of the tube red orange blue like you know and it's like swirling and it's supposed to be like they call it either surreal or abstract but it's not and it's kind of like you're you you know google google fine art painting on on the search bar and you'll see what i mean (laughs) like it's that that to me was always the kitsch i didn't really enjoy because i didn't understand what was happening because I always and and even yeah. like before I started painting, I was it was just never in my taste. I mean, I I liked a lot of like you know I think kitschy type painting for sure. I was obsessed with like mm. portraiture, so anything in that aesthetic when you're in high school fit for me. But yeah, it's a but lot I, of that. Yeah. I would say was, I I I think I know similar to what you're saying. Like the um, it comes off overly colorful. It's yeah. cotton candy like. Sugar, yeah. but there's nothing it's, there. It's like it's kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it, it, this is those types of art galleries that have that. Because I'm gonna guess what there's probably also a lot of. You know, when you say right out of the tube, there's probably also those paintings that are just the blobs of paint. Oh that yeah, sort of make a landscape image. Yeah, that is part of the reason why, even when it's done in by more serious artists. I do not like impasto. I think mm. it has just been ruined for me by paintings of the beach that are, <laughs> you know, sand. Just, yeah, it's like a craft. It's like a kid's craft project. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that I think people look at those things and they see the more naturalistic aspects of it. And they say, ah, it's a good painting because I can see what's going on in it. Right. Which is its own weird, you know, trapping in art that you feel like, Hey, didn't we talk about this like a hundred years ago? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I will never understand that how we reverted all the way back to making things look like photographs. Well, because, because those are not things that, you know, if we're being honest, those are not things that immediately concern you in your everyday life. That's fair. They have deeper meanings. I think what you were saying is like, there are subtle psychological and social implications that are in kitsch art, you know? Because here's the thing about kitsch is not only is it not asking you to think very hard, which to me is condescending. I agree. Yeah. Not only is it not asking you to think very hard, it is insisting that the world is more simple. Yeah, exactly. Than people make it out to be. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That there's And that to- is the danger of it. That mm-hmm. is the overly sentimental. I don't even want to say romantic. It's just it's tropey, sentimental, it's, yeah. nostalgic, tropey paintings that, you know, do sell us incorrect visions of history and our own contemporary time. Exactly. But, you know, in, in all of this, I mean, I have a little bit of a an, a, a very close encounter of the kitsch kind from Florida <laughs> I applied to uh, work at and then was brought in for an interview at uh, this is right after I graduate from college. I have arrived back in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, after driving back from Montana 
uh-huh. I, you know, I got I got my fresh uh, BFA. Uh, you know, Ooh, right degree. off the press, right off the press. right off the press. I hate that the signature is pixelated on it. It just really <laughs> tells me nobody cares. Oh no! <laughs> Why can't they sign them? Is it that hard? I, I guess I thought. Oh god. I'm paying so much money. You're telling me you can't sit down and sign, you know, a nope. couple hundred pieces of paper. Nope, that's another grand. Maybe three. Uh, anyways, and I go in for an interview at uh, a gallery that I won't name on Beach Drive in St. Petersburg. You know, this is on the waterfront. This is looking out at the Yacht Club. It's all, you know, just kind of upscale restaurants um and then these and then there's sort of a strip of these art galleries right and they are almost entirely uh this one in particular exhibits uh an artist named uh wyland that Mm. is very very popular in florida he's sort of i would call it especially because it's florida cruise ship art Okay. This is art that sells for a lot, and you see uh, you, the, the, the crowd that is in Florida that might go on a cruise, the crowd that has money and wants to, you know, spend it um, and doesn't understand art enough to mm. know that, hey— you know, I get it if you want a painting of the beach or a painting of a sea turtle. Right. But, you know, there's somebody on Etsy that'll do that for you for, like, f- between 50 and $200. Yeah, and do exactly. a nice job at it, and you can get something. And then you go into these galleries, and they have not even that well-done renderings of marine animals and they are thousands of dollars Jesus, why thousands of dollars because they are being sold to them as investment pieces but there's nothing to invest well yeah that's the amazing thing it is the ultimate scam not only because the art is shallow but you are here's the thing that i wonder about the thing that keeps me up at night okay you're mr Mr. McMansion New Money. That's me, Mr. McMansion New Money. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You sound, you sound, uh, McMansion New Buddy, uh, you, you sound like you're, uh, like a, an old timey robber baron. It doesn't, it doesn't sound (laughs) like you're, uh, you know, a new money guy with, uh, you know, wearing, wearing chubby's shorts and loafers what do you mean i'm in my chubby shorts and loafers right now this is just how i talk oh yeah you sound like you would wear a monocle and a top hat and like you like trade in whale oil no that was my grandfather mr Moneybags. this is me now i'm jeff (laughs) (laughs) i don't know who this is anymore i'm having an identity (laughs) crisis Hi there, my name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts, a podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account, while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. 
hope to see you soon. No, well, uh, McMansion, Jeff McMansion knew, knew money. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> okay, so they go in. You walk into the Wyland Gallery, uh-huh. and you buy. And I swear to God, this was a real painting I saw in there. A $12,000 painting of Goofy surfing. What? Wait. At the beach. $12,000. Yes. Of Goofy. Surfing. How? Okay. Um. Continue. I have so many All questions. of those things go together. No. Um, <laughs> so you buy that under uh-huh. the assumption that it is worth money and it will only increase in value. Right. Course, as, things, right? as things do. Yeah, because that's how investing uh, in things works. Stonk. So you buy that, you take it home, and you show it to people, and you're like, "This is this is good because it's officially licensed uh, Disney art." Okay, that because was my that's, question. Yeah, that's the big selling point uh, with Wyland is that uh, his his stuff is officially licensed by Disney. Okay. So, He's allowed to paint. He's got the Disney uh, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse at the beach. Right. Mickey himself was like, "You can yeah. do this now. I forgive you." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? Let's. You know, there, there's a whole other element of Christianity to this, and we'll have to uh, tie that in in a moment. We'll oh, talk gosh. about that in one second. But first, let's talk about the the disney thing yeah so so you get this officially licensed way expensive disney art that has probably a letter of authenticity that comes with it right and you see that and you think wow this is worth money okay so let's say you let's say because i i don't think this this neck i don't think it ever comes to this part and maybe it will later i don't know but where would you sell that for <laughs> more money? Because any any art auction house that deals in art that is at that price point in the uh, thousands of dollars, right? They would laugh you out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. <laughs> you went to an art auction house and were like, "Hey, I've got this certified Disney painting of some someone who's not associated with disney uh in in any way you know it's not (laughs) like it's a famous artist that works for disney it's not like you have like a james baxter animation cell right exactly you have a a shitty acrylic painting of lilo and stitch what 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 can you sell this for? Who would take you seriously? Ooh. Because the people that are dealing in art at that price know that that's not what that is worth. It's all completely yeah. a lie. This also goes into my whole problem, and this is a little more of a controversial take. I do not like Giclés. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, do, do you know what a Giclé is? Ah, uh, I'm not really familiar. A gicle is a basically what what's sort of considered a really high resolution print, and uh, mm, okay, and is 
and is they might even try to imitate the texture of mm. paint on it so that it looks like an original but it's actually a copy of a painting. Right. That's like when people get copies, correct? Like of their paintings and to sell, like if they want to sell no, multiple no, no, versions no. It, it's or is not it like its prints. own thing? It's not even prints. It's okay. separate from prints cuz I understand prints. I can't yeah. afford a John Singer Sargent. Mhm. So right. having a print of one might be nice. But when I have a print, I'm not under any illusions that it is any more than a copy. Right. Okay. Giclees are so expensive that to me, they devalue the original. Interesting. Okay. They are like this weird facsimile. Huh. That they are charging uh, they're charging like actual art prices for. Oh my god, why? Uh, because then... because it's you know one, it's a way to make more money off of one painting. I guess that's fair. Um, but it, it it's this whole illusion of yeah, I've got this. It, it it's 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 recognizing a gap in the market of like where are people that want to spend a lot of money on a print, but not all the way to a real painting and we want to sell multiples of the real painting basically right oh my god i yeah so, so it, to me it's like if you want to get a print get a print and right. understand understand the significance of a print and why it's different from the original maybe but also just you know it it's a print yeah a g clay is like a Clay is the biggest I am lying to myself move yeah. you could do. Yeah, I don't really understand why you would pay all the money for that, but not just get the original at that point. Like, if it's yeah, that similar, it's, it feels like just pay the extra if you're already paying. It's like... It's like... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of an equivalent in any yeah. other market. I'm thinking of maybe guitars okay where you can kind of pay all this money for certain models that are kind of just a flex and maybe they're part of a limited edition but then it's like right. why don't you just buy the real thing if you have that kind of money that's true okay that's a good example yeah yeah here's here's my question though yeah i just don't understand well i understand i guess it's like the the why they would upcharge it, but I guess people just don't think about investments, huh? Like in general with I, art, because like I art as an investment is already kind of questionable in my opinion. Because like, how is it even an investment? Like to a certain, yeah. and I'm an artist, and I still don't understand this. It's like to a certain degree, it's like I I could understand how like you know old master paintings are, or even like contemporary artists who are up and coming, and like yeah. they're growing. So then you know that if you purchase a piece now. In twenty years, it's going to be worth you know triple. I could I could see that, but I think it's like anything of like caricature or landscape based or kind of like basic. It just feels not not that that's yeah. bad, not that it's a bad thing, but just like it feels very much like where is this going? Do you know what I mean? Like how is this going to well, grow? Well, that, that's the thing about like all of these kind of cruise ship artists. Your Wylands, uh, I think maybe more in the eighties, but you still see some of his paintings floating around. McKnight right. uh, in Florida, at least. Honestly, I'll take a McKnight over mm. uh, over a Wyland any day. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, I almost worked at that gallery because I was desperate enough for a job. You know, he paid less than $10 an hour, oh but there was God. a possibility of commission, even though I've been burned by commission before. 
And right. I that same day I get an offer to work at a tiki mug uh production studio, oh, which man. was a different a totally different level of kitsch, but at least I was making something and it paid a full ten dollars an hour. Um so right. I took that job. Yeah. I took that job because it felt less like lying to myself that I had an <laughs> art gallery position. Fair enough. Oh god, and that yeah. leads to a whole I like thing. I remember the guy interviewing me. He was way too into everything. He showed me um a painting of the Mona Lisa with Salvador Dali's mustache painted on it. Oh god. And he's like, This guy is just absolutely insane. <laughs> Why? Why? He's like, I don't even know. He's like, this this artist must be on drugs. Oh? Because they copied Duchamp but put a (laughs) a more recognizable mustache on it? Oh, Jesus Christ. That's the thing about all of this stuff. And the, the, the reason why I think we are at liberty to make fun of these people uh and it not being just our own pure art school elitism uh-huh. is that these are people spending serious money on this yeah you know? exactly it's <laughs> like it's like i i i feel like that is what sort of makes this worthy of our ridicule cuz these aren't yeah. like this isn't like some you know like some some low income person that like is like I have this painting of a horse isn't it pretty you know right. I found, I I uh like my my niece painted it for me or I found it at a garage sale or you know I I I went on a trip once and I I bought it and right it's, right it's, it's in my it's in my house and I enjoy it right this is people just like this is the worst kind of disney adult yeah yeah i agree no because this is very much like it one it undermines art in my opinion when you're upcharging people for something that they think they're paying and they're not and yeah two, it's just, yeah yeah it, it devalues real artists that exactly. actually put effort into things exactly yeah and it's just you know it's just one big scam for lack of a better word that just yeah, kind of is, is it is a scam and i it feel like that's worth scam. i feel like that's worth judging i don't think this is us kind of complaining about people who just want to paint to paint or do things to make art to make art i think that's its own thing and i think that that's absolutely fine but when you're paying like 12 grand plus for a painting of goofy surfing or something else you know it's i think scam. It, you got I, come scammed. on yeah you exactly because there's no investment there's nothing that you're gonna gain from it this is people that no. think oh here you like you go to disney do you know you do you know it? how many things i have framed that even if they're just prints some of them aren't even numbered correctly because i don't even yeah. think some of these artists know how to number prints right probably not they and they have letters of authenticity with them and it's like for what for what a print (laughs) it doesn't make sense oh jesus yeah i I, yeah and we're not talking about prints like you know reduction prints or lithographs no 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 this is like yeah that that we're talking about fresh off the xerox machine exactly you know yeah i that and it's like it's gotta have or like the people that buy the they go on vacation to egypt and they buy the fake egyptian art People that <sighs> go to Florence and buy the the, the, stuff on the, the prints off the side of the street oh, that like no. literally someone forced you to buy because they made you step on it by accident. Oh God, that's a whole other scam. That's yeah, yikes. but like here's the, here's the interesting thing about it is 
you want to, some of these people you want to hate because of those prices. And then the other thing is, they're not that good technically of paintings, which is the other yeah. fascinating thing. You see it a lot with painters that want to paint very loose, sort of evoke a post-impressionist style. And they might even come to their def- to that defense and say, well, you know, I'm really inspired by like the impressionists. You know, I mm-hmm. want to paint loosely. I don't need all the details. Uh, Fine, sure. Um, those paintings, they all seem to be avoiding a lot of things that clearly that person is incapable of yeah, painting. Yeah, exactly. They are, it's, it's like, you will see a lot. Here's something to look for next time you see one of those paintings. Are all of the people painted from behind walking Mm. down a street? Maybe there's a bunch of like autumn leaves colored trees and there's like a couple walking down the middle of a road. Are they facing away from the viewer? Do you see a painting of someone? Maybe they are in they, they are rendered more in portrait, but their hands are behind their back. Uh, that person can't paint faces or hands. There you go. Yep. You know, or that person only knows how to paint, like, autumn-colored trees, like, and doesn't want to paint the color green, because it takes that much more effort to paint with green. (laughs) Right, exactly. You know, which is a, a slightly harder color to paint with. All of, all of these things are, you know, showing that you know, it's not even about the artist's skill level. It's that the artist is saying, I'm not bothering getting better because these paintings sell. Mm-hmm. And there would be so many of those being sold as original art. They all look the same. They're probably being made on basically an art assembly line. Yeah. Um. And like, you know, he, the, the guy who was having, who, who I was interviewing with was like, oh yeah, you know, and if someone doesn't like something about that, like they say, well, I want the couple to look like me and my husband or whatever. Uh, just tell them that we can have it, uh, the exact same thing repainted uh, with figures that look more like them. Oh. Yeah, and huh. there's a there, there's a weird like customization I don't element like the, to yeah, it. Yeah, what well. is what is that? Just go get a portrait done, right? Like, why yeah, are you but, going but to a gallery? It's, to buy it's all it's all being done in in the style of retail. Weird, it's you know, it's business. it it's the Pandora charms of yeah, art, literally, really, because let's. Pandora, when I, I I'm just gonna say this because I don't know what the odds are that I ever work for a jewelry store again. <laughs> but like you know, the Pandora rep comes in and basically says, even though it is your jewelry store and you have your own line of jewelry, Pandora, the way they have it set up is technically they have a store within your store, wow. and they say to you, you are not allowed to put our stuff on sale. You are only allowed to use these words when you describe our product. And never, and remember, Pandora is an affordable luxury. Wow. That's a big sketch. Yes. And it's this, again, Pandora is this thing where it has the illusion of collectability and value. And you have this idea you are buying jewelry that is unique when it is in fact 
manufactured at an right. enormous scale. Jesus. Um, and that is the thing at the end of the day that is, I think, the lie. I think is right. why I, in a weird way, almost kind of, I find myself on the side of like, look, there's this whole weird middle ground. And this goes for clothing. This goes uh-huh. for a lot of different things. There are, you know, and I'm not talking about ridiculously expensive, but there are like name brand luxury brands that like, I think are objectively worth the cost because of the quality. For sure. Yeah. And then there is, hey, you just need something to get by. There's this at the affordable level that's maybe not as well put together, but you know, that's just that's what mm-hmm. that's what it is, what you can afford. Right. Exactly. And then there's this middle ground that's trying to sell a lesser version to people down below. Yeah. That's getting them to spend more than they should on basically crap. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, do, do you get kind of what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I that, do. That's yeah. that's where kind of the the weird tackiness becomes more infuriating. Yeah, because it's just it promotes an illusion. It's like you know you're you're you think you're spending the money for the really, you know, it's it's like you expect to be getting the, the R.M. Williams of paintings, but you're actually just getting something that's, you know, a knockoff to a certain extent, but it's still 200 something dollars. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the gap makes a, a Chelsea boot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's At like, this point, I have I haven't been in a gap in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I me either. Oh, God, like, Joe, Joe, have I have I lost touch with the people? <laughs> I just said that. You said the guy. Yeah, a little, a little. I'm, I'm sorry. Honest. I don't buy five dollar blue jeans anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry it's, for it's my okay. my ludicrous success that I no longer <laughs> have to shop at the sale rack at the Gap. Because you know what? That was my reality for oh, a little no. bit in college. Oh no, we can't all get naked and famous jeans down. All right, no, I'm I'm joking. But. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god! We're moving up. Yeah, no, you're you're. Yeah, fine. well, no, Joe, you and I are at the level where we have luxury brands, but we bought them all on sale. Yeah, we're at least <laughs> smart about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm, we're I'm, like, you. Oh we appreciate god. we appreciate the value, but we're not paying full price for Mm-mm. it. No, 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 no. I'm not, you know, I I only got my RM Williams or yeah RM Williams because I I got them on sale. For half mm-hmm. the price, and you know what, worth it. And I almost did pay full price, and I a hundred percent would have regretted that if I oh, did. Yeah. No, I don't. They're amazing shoes. I have no regrets. But yeah, um, they should sponsor us. They. Oh my god. Yeah, please. <laughs> RM Williams sponsor us. Well, RM Williams. <laughs> I, I I want this. This is out to you right now. You work for RM Williams. You pay us. We will shit on Blundstones <laughs> so hard. <laughs> We oh my god we <laughs> will we will only only talk about we will only talk about Blundstones in reference to how they are you know you uh just riding in the wake of your glorious ship you know oh my god yeah <laughs> sponsor us pay us pay us the money. Oh my god! Alternatively, Blundstones. If you're listening, yeah, we'll reverse that. <laughs> we'll oh talk about god. how we'll Please. talk about those overpriced, gimmicky. <laughs> Please, patron the museum. We need funding. Yes, please. Either way, um, 
does that make us shallow <laughs> that we just uh, reverse carded uh either one oh my god it's a metaphor joe exactly it's all it's all a metaphor is what is what i've learned it's all a metaphor this is supernatural on the rocks a new supernatural podcast hosted by two of the voices behind glee on the rocks i am emily a longtime viewer of supernatural who could never let it go and i'm mandy a fan of the start who did let it go but it just wouldn't stay gone every episode we cover a season of supernatural Digging into the mythology, the characters, and the fandom it left behind. With extra episodes when we need to talk just a little bit more. Because there's always more to talk about, isn't there? So join us to remember the road that was. At Supernatural on the Rocks. But back to that, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I think that's why I just, I don't understand, like, the obsession with, like, Kincaid paintings or just in general, like, Disney style. Well, he's not really, yeah, I don't even know the relationship to that in Disney. I know he's got a weird one that, like, um, he famously paid, uh He famously peed on a statue of Winnie the Pooh. Why? I don't know. It's a weird. <laughs> Let's okay. You know what? You said his name. We and gotta unfortunately, unpack it. you summoned him. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Is that how that so works? So now we're gonna get to the good stuff. The thing you people have been waiting for. We're gonna talk about Thomas Kincaid. Oh, it's happening! It's finally here. <laughs> so, in case you are unaware, Thomas Kincaid. Uh, was born in uh 1958. He is an American painter. Um, and he painted pastoral, realistic scenes, very, very idyllic. This is, you know, paintings of cabins and mm -hmm. castles and forests. And really is the, the king of kitsch. Oh, uh, yeah. King, king, king Kincaid kitsch. of kitsch. KKK, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like wait a minute <laughs> go back yes now Kincaid famously he described himself at first as the painter of light there's a slight problem of this if you know anything about art history is that uh, that phrase was used to describe the English painter uh, from the uh, 17 and 1800s Turner right but Kincaid trademarked painter of light wait seriously yes oh my god so he is the painter of light tm not whoever that nobody turner was jesus christ i hate the industry yes so kincaid you know basically the the stuff about the thing about his work is it is um how should we say this as we said before, it is selling you a very simple vision of the world. Um, you know, these yeah. very glowy, sentimental, you know, just absolutely uh, treacle of of paintings. And I, I think it's worth mentioning that like art like this that over. That because it is maybe realistically rendered is. Art that is is painted naturalistically assumes a huge responsibility because it mimics right. visual experience. It is saying that you could encounter this in the world as right. I have shown it here. Exactly, yeah. And when you do it in this weird Christian 
you know, kind of manifest destiny, yeah. uh, Americana type thing, you're selling an American idea. It's like Mad Men. It's yeah, like exactly. It's and it's it's not taking into account any you know subtleties of culture and history. Nope. It is just what it is, and that that would be one thing if maybe that was what he wanted but kincaid just strikes me as so it's like l ron hubbard mm. it's like just so openly cynical and it's just there for a buck yeah i think so too to be honest it feels like yeah. the paintings kind of remind me of like what i would think somebody who thought like an oil painting was supposed to be would kind of look at it that way as being like, this yeah. is impressive because this is yeah. what oil painting looks like. Uh, yeah, not, not in a mean way, like but a, just a that's sun, what it, a sunset on a mountain. Like, well, and you're like, yeah. oh, that's art. Exactly. Like it tries, it, it, it embraces what it is and then it tries to sell you this image of what art is supposed to be. And yeah, it completely ignores this uh, history of landscape painting, history of landscapes in general and representation. And also just, uh, yeah, kind of alludes to that manifest Disney just, you know, a lot. And uh, it's it's yeah. it's just there's so much there. It's so frustrating. Yeah, and and here's the thing. I one thing that in in sort of looking into this further, I realized Kincaid was at least in college was friends with James Gurney. What? Yes, that's in weird. fact the two of them together actually made the artist's guide to sketching what yes huh which was actually a very well-selling book now gurney gurney does paint i think kind of nostalgic americana scenes i think mm -hmm. and and gurney's sci-fi work I think is maybe an argument of style over substance in, in the most right. pure way. Dinotopia, they're fairly open and shut stories, but the artwork is absolutely it's gorgeous. So and yeah. then, you know, Gurney also has the edge of, you know, being an illustrator for National Geographic, for God's sakes. Right, exactly. You know, he, you know, Gurney, you know, it, it's not like Gurney is ignorant of history. Yeah. Um, and is, you know, fascinated by architecture and light effects. So with, without knowing much else, I, I won't go much further into it because I can only speculate. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, they, is, is there a moment where history could have gone another way? Oof. That, like, because I, I think about this a lot with artists. Like, because by all accounts, it doesn't seem like Kincaid was that nice of a person or mm. even had that much joy in his life for somebody that made, you know, such tropey painting. Right. Is, is there a situation and like his art could have saved him that like so many other artists, he could have made something better than himself because, you know, we, we live in this world where we are now reckoning with the fact that there are so many people that made great art who were bad uh, people or at least mm. bad to certain people right but in making art that was better than they were and having an idea that was better than they were glimpsing something profound and being possessed by genius for just a moment 
they made something better and their art saved them for just a moment. Right. What happens when you're incapable of doing that? And I think that's what you get when you get Thomas Kincaid. I guess so, yeah. I mean, that is one way to sum that up rather easily. Yeah, because, you know, like... (laughs) You got nothing left. It's like, you didn't redeem it in the artwork, so now what are we left if? Like, what if... Like, yeah, what if... Because we wouldn't be talking about Picasso if all of his work sucked. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you see this weird divergence of yeah. James Gurney goes on to have, I think, a pretty wonderful career of being mm-hmm. like maybe a lesser known Bob Ross, but someone that I think is honestly a better painter than Bob Ross. No offense. R.I.P. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, fellow Florida boy, Bob Ross represent. Absolutely. He's one of the good one of the good one of the good ones from the Sunshine State. <laughs> yeah. You know, James Gurney, who pretty much spends this part of his career not not really selling his work mm-hmm. and just sort of working in a in a public education capacity, just using his fame and his popularity yeah. to say, like, hey, if you want to go out to a barn and have a nice painting of a horse, I'm going to show you how to do that. It's not that hard. It just takes time, practice, and concentration. I love James Gurney for that reason. And it, it's it's so funny because it's like, I think even in illustration, it was not my style. But I appreciate it so much. And I think it's mm-hmm. also just his like chaoticness of going to like <laughs> actually paint in areas. If you haven't followed his Instagram, do it. It's kind of amazing because oh, I've learned do. I've learned so much from it. And I love the fact that he like went into a parking garage and painted inside of it. And the guard was like, "Hey, you can't like." do this here can you move a little bit and still he like did it. he's like oh yeah i'll just be here and he's got his like you know his t- he has like a watch on his sketchbook he's got a whole palette thing going oh, yeah. it's, it's amazing well, but I- you know james gurney uh, a while a long time ago i don't know if this this might have been on his instagram um a jehovah's witness showed up at his front door and he said hey come on in you can sit and read to me if i can paint you what and then he just did. That's amazing. That's actually you know, kind of great. And, and again, James Gurney doesn't really, you know, then turn around and try to sell all no. of these beautiful, beautiful, you know, paintings and yeah. sketches. Like, I, I think, I think there's this like difference between, um, you know, if we have to compare the both of them, it's like what what you know, Kincaid uses the skill that he may have had to then just you know sell, 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 and make the thing that the people want or whatever they think the people want and yeah. sell it as this corporate product. And I think the difference between that and James Gurney is that Gurney paints from the passion that he has with what he likes. I think he just likes to paint. And I think the money comes mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. I think for him, it, the opera, I mean, I don't know his history that well, but I'm familiar with the paintings and what he does now. And it just seems yeah. like, I think I actually own one of his books too. It's just that like, you know, it seems very much like the man really loves painting, really likes what he does, and then yeah. he's just good and has gotten the opportunities from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's something. And then, but but it's like I wonder if like like Kincaid raises a question for me. Uh huh. When did Christian art go from being some of the best art to, by and large, some of the worst art? that we see currently Mm. and it's not well christian or catholic 
you know, he's listed as Christian, and mm. it, it says, you know, that a lot of his paintings are specific Bible references. Mm. I don't know what... What denomination was he? Are are is this just no another idea. one? Of, is this just another one of uh, your pro-Catholic? No, like... I'm not pro-Catholic. I'm not pro-anything. <laughs> I just like to differentiate. <laughs> I think it's uh, important, man, because everybody. I, I don't know. I get it's, it gets so confusing. I think once it was made very clear to me the differences, I now understand things. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say without since it. I don't know if it's been specified, and he only described himself as a devout Christian. I'm going to there there's some uh evangelical protestant yeah. vibes coming I would from go this. with that. I'm not that it makes up say he's not even like fun protestant like presbyterian. Yeah. yeah, this sounds like like hardcore protestant which is a whole different ball game. Yeah. I mean I don't, I get that kind of vibe anyway from the word <laughs> but it's like you know I I could see it. Yeah. Yeah, when did it get bad? When did that I guess like you know uh the creation of the United States was probably a downhill stumble from there, and all that comes with it, I guess. Um, I don't know, man. It's kind of I mean, wild. I, I don't. About. I don't even think that. Let I... me be dramatic, Zach. <laughs> We're in the lounge. It's well, my I mean, turn. what else is what else is this, no is this program for other than making wild, unfounded I, accusations? Yeah. Oh, I don't. Um, when did Christian art become bad? Oh, I don't know when America was made. <laughs> Joe, you can't blame everything on America. Yes, I can because I haven't. I can do what I want because this is America. I guess I don't even know what that is. I, I don't even know what's happening anymore. But like, this is like that whole thing of like, it's more fun when you and I poke fun at it versus like <laughs> Europeans shitting on America is like a whole other level of rage that it, it's evo- painfully that I, ironic to be honest. Yeah, like that is when I get like. That it's that annoying. that is when I feel most patriotic. <laughs> I I mean I'm both, and I kind of find it ironic because you'll have like Europeans will like criticize America, and I'm like, don't you have an alt right fascist group literally growing in your home country? That's like when the like the like English do that, and I'm like, uh, can we like reevaluate some things real quick? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of ironic to me. Like you or like even the fact that Europe essentially fi- founds the United States and starts all these problems. So really, whose fault is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, th- th- this is this is a whole other conversation for another day. But it is very difficult to make meaningful critique as an outsider to something. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's why, like, obviously, obviously, <laughs> we don't want to see uh women and gay people abused but you if we're maybe talking about it happening in in maybe in a country that's predominantly islamic Mm. it's difficult to sometimes make that critique without sounding like you're just painting uh muslims as backwards primitive uh subhumans like that that is such a that that is such a thing that like you will see people who pretend that they're you know trying to champion for women's rights or something but really they're just using it as an excuse to you know mask their islamophobia (laughs) bill maher (laughs) what was that (laughs) whoa i I don't know that was stuck in my throat (laughs) yikes yeah i you know the 
the the thing is like you you have to sort of a, a big thing for Kincaid also was like the 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 certificate of authenticity type of thing and it weirdly ties into stuff that we were talking about with right. um, uh art in the age of mechanical reproduction which Kincaid in a weird way again similar to my feelings on Nickelback if it's self-aware it's brilliant right if not it's the worst thing I've ever seen <laughs> exactly because like you know Kincaid is he like is the work not even the work and it's actually the crazy price tags because you know he kind of admits like he had basically an industrial production of his paintings oh my god which is you know there's artists that use studios mm -hmm. and they are artists of merit yeah um, that that use that use assistance to make their stuff you know it, it versus i think his thing of basically having prefabricated paintings right yeah anyways but his whole thing was that it had to be certified and authenticated by him huh and this is because in part there were actual paintings that that were hand painted but were fakes and were uh, also coming out and were also mass produced that's crazy okay so in 2011 the kincaid studio said that kincaid was the most collected artist in asia but they had received no income from those regions due to forgery huh you know kincaid's artwork was everywhere it was said that like you know uh if that most houses in america probably had some reproduction of his work somewhere That's nuts like it was it was incredibly prolific in you know expensive and collectible and everything but you know it also it, it's all built on this weird franchising it's yeah. mcdonald's of painting it's very, like very uh corporate very american yeah. in that way <laughs> And of course, aside from the whole thing of like, you know, Kincaid being a drunk and he's, you know, peeing on the Winnie the Pooh statue. Uh, actually, that was at the Disneyland Hotel in Anaheim. And, you know, there's there's also a, a story that he, uh, you know, he uh, uh, apparently groped a woman in Indiana. He apparently it, it was uh, his his ritual territory marking was apparently uh he he did on more than a couple of occasions he, like a lot of other things all this dumb stuff and you you just start looking at it closer and it just starts getting more and more gross right know? yeah 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 definitely oh god mm -hmm. uh, now i don't yeah want to i mean but at the end of the day like okay here here's where i'm torn at the end of the day with uh -huh. my art school elitism okay i I'm not someone that believes that you are born into a situation and that is where you stay and that is what you are relegated to and you stay in your lane all the time and don't ever look beyond it. Right. Okay. I also have an idea in my head that maybe things when things are watered down and made to be so easily consumable that they have that th things that have an illusion of depth that are made to be easily consumed that is also wrong and that's not really democratizing information and 
and expression in the way that I think we want it mm-hmm. because I'm also someone that believes you need to put work yeah. into things that philosophy and ideas and meaningful expression mm-hmm. take work on behalf of the person expressing themselves and the person consuming it and that's when something actually meaningful happens Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. it's work yeah and i think whenever you have something that tries to get around that that is kitsch Mm. that is that is the the twitterfication of our public dialogue at the moment without again trying not to sound like a baby boomer but you know, if you if you can fit your entire philosophy into a tweet and that's all you're going to look at, you're not going to look beyond anything else. Like, I get it. There's a lot of information out there and it's very discouraging to someone and you can make it sound like, hey, you don't belong here when you say, actually, you need to read all of these other things before you can even have a conversation with us. That is wrong. Yes, I agree. I, here's my here's my but deal. but I, I but I mean, do you get what I'm saying? I oh, feel yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like when you show up for a conversation, you need to have a more sophisticated thinking of things. So that is why I can't take King. Aside from all the other stuff, that's why I can't take this type of uh-huh. artist seriously. I can't even take them for what they are. Like even if you are someone just making something simple and dumb it's it's kincaid's whole protection and projection of his brand exactly authentic and deep yeah when it is so clearly not bam nailed it because that's the thing i think here's my deal uh it's always it's work and it's it's not always physical work and a lot of times it's the idea it's the process of creation the process of removing and adding and changing and editing and whatever it goes into your work depending on what you do but if you put meaning and truth of yourself, of your work, of how you're manifest, of how these, you know, as artists manifest their work into this medium, it comes out and it feels authentic and it feels true to what it's trying to do. And sometimes it can live beyond said person or become something else, right? And yeah. I think that is something to keep in mind beyond even the elitism and our the idea that you have to read theory to kind of understand something. I, I personally, if you have to read books to contextualize a work of art like that somebody made there's something wrong there because that like to to the to understand it even just at a base level that feels weird like i i personally have issues with people who make work that revolves around that because i think if you're making something it should be accessible to a certain degree of somebody can at least understand maybe it's made for a different context if you're making something for a different art audience or you know a field that it's more in the research area or it's more in the high art field that it's, it's basically for people that are involved in that, then I can understand that being more uh, exclusive. But in general, I shouldn't have to have a manual to read what's going on, I think. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it should be simple either or it just needs to be whatever. There needs to be context to anything. And I think it's there when it's made for that, right? And I think with yeah. Kincaid, with all of this stuff we're talking about in, in terms of kitsch, I think where it loses that is the idea of overhyping a product, making yeah. a literal product, and stripping art from what yeah. is actually there, which is the deep meaning, and not even just the meaning at the surface level, but the 
the work, the feeling, the emotion, everything that is manifested by the artist, by the person making yeah. it, that literal physical manifestation of, you know, just mm -hmm. feeling. I don't even know what to call it, right? That is embedded in works of art. And then in this, it's just so yeah. shallow because of that. And I think that is yeah, where the criticism he was, comes from. He, he was selling his work on QVC. Yeah. You it's know, just, oh my Kincaid God. once said in, in 2001, he said, I am the most controversial artist in the world. Oh, my God. Give me a break, man. I'm sorry. And, and Nathan Rabin of the AV Club said this. To his detractors, he represents the triumph of sub-mediocrity and the commercialization and homogenization of painting. Ooh. Perhaps no other painter has been as shameless or as successful at transforming himself into a corporate as King, as a into a corporation as Kincaid. Rabin went on to say, uh, Kincaid's paintings sickeningly sentimental vision of the world where everything is as soothing as a warm cup of hot chocolate with marshmallows on a cold December day. Like the pe Damn. people, mo they, they just critics saw right through it. And that's yeah. why I think sometimes we need to listen to. Critics. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. To be honest, yeah. I think it's, I, but, but you see that desire, like people want just like something nice sometimes. Uh, yeah. like they, they want something that speaks to universal happiness right but i think billy joel did a better job at that <laughs> oh my god yeah. did you did you watch the, i did <laughs> the I billy did. joel matter of trust i i did and i, I encourage you. oh i did and i encourage everybody here to go watch it because it's a masterpiece and also the worst at the same time it's the overdubbing <laughs> for me of uh, like as somebody who works in sound design and is very uh passionate about it there's nothing more frustrating than hearing already overdubbed singing and the band recording, and then you just hear random people being like, yeah, yeah, shut up. Woo! I love the woman and it's just... leaning out the door yelling, shut up it's to so, Billy Joel. It's so isolated and obviously at it later, and I hate well, it. Well, you know, apparently that was real. What? That was real, and they loved it so much they kept it in, which actually kind of weirdly makes me respect Billy Joel more. Huh. This changes a little bit of things. Yeah, right? Because, like, the weird. reading of it, the reading of the music video is like, this is really, like, <laughs> Billy something. Joel thinks he's so great, uniting the people off the street. Everybody loves Billy Joel. Everybody yeah. from all walks of life is coming in to dance. Right. And and listen to Billy Joel, who doesn't care. Billy Joel wants those doors wants open because it's hot people. in here. <laughs> it's, it's hot in here. Open the doors. Oh my god! Shut up! It's so what ridiculous. A great music video. They don't make them like that anymore. They really don't. I guess. Yeah. It's, oh my god. Yeah. If if you need a good laugh, watch the worth music it. video for it. Matter of Trust by Billy. It's Trump. not as bad as the Nickelback one, but it's not as good as some others. It is quite Pepsi commercial vibes. Yeah. 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 Definitely Pepsi commercial vibes, but yeah. Oh man, what a ride. Oh, what, what a ride! I think we. I am really glad we exercised Kincaid out of ourselves. Yeah. Exercise that demon. I think that needed to be done, and it feels good. Yeah. Feel better. Yes. It's like a weight off my shoulders now. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Kincaid. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's enough respect, I guess, is necessary. Yeah. Well, um, this has been a great conversation. Mm -hmm. 
what what do we got going on? Uh, Joe, you've got the Midnight Drive. I do, yeah. Midnight Drive, located on radiopapeste.org. Check it out. I think that's all I got going on. How about you, Zan? When this is coming out, be sure to wish Joe uh, congratulations on graduating. Oh, yeah. I'll be officially a master in art. So, yes, oh, God, he, what a ride. Joe, Joe, Joe will be the master, and I guess I'm not quite a master yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what's going on? I have... Uh, a show coming up in July that I should have more information of. At, that's going to be at the uh, Limner Gallery in Hudson, Ooh. New York. Currently, I have work exhibited at the uh, uh, Decisional Gallery in Ruskin, Florida. Nice. And nice. my band Mothman is going to be playing April 23rd at the Florida State Fair. Busy man. Right next to Cracker Country. So. <laughs> uh see you there that'll be fun we should maybe do an exhibit on crackers like the food like florida <laughs> no i know i know but yes oh yeah i'm down we should i think yep, that yep, should yep. Happen. these two crackers are going to talk about crackers exactly Ooh. yep well if you want to find the museum after hours you can find us uh on twitter at uncanny museum mm-hmm. on instagram at uncanny county museum Feel free to reach out to us with ideas, criticisms. Uh, you know, if you really, if you really love Thomas Kincaid, <laughs> I would love to hear what your Please, thoughts are. Please, yes. If you are a huge proponent of Giclés, if you have any other thoughts on our controversial opinions, feel free to reach out to us, uh, and I will make sure Joe has to read them too. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, always. Yeah, be sure to check out Force Football Facts. Uh, supernatural on the rocks we're hopefully going to be working with them real soon that's exciting mm-hmm. definitely definitely uh yeah. and thank you all so much yeah you can find me at xanasaurus on instagram and you can find me as at josemino art on instagram from the uncanny county museum uh coming to you live from the uncanny valley i have been zan peters and i have been josemino have a blessed day bye, bye.